Hey everybody and welcome back to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm Alicia Sharp, your host. And today on the show, we have part two of Erwin McManus's message about living the life that God created you to live. Here's Pastor Irwin. See, the characteristics of those men and women who live the kind of lives that all of us want to live is that they refuse to be left behind. And you need to refuse to stay behind. And so my, my uh, office called me and said, well, we, we can get you a ticket. We can get you in, but we can't find a flight out. And I said, that's all I asked you to do. Get me there. Getting out, that's the next problem. Life is full of challenges. You get a challenge, you solve it, you get another challenge. If you don't want another challenge, then just don't step up to this challenge. Because the gift of fighting a great battle is a greater battle. See, I think a lot of us think that the, that the, the victory, the conquest, the gift of a great battle is peace. No, it's a greater battle. See, if you overcome a great struggle, the gift is a greater struggle. You overcome a great obstacle, the gift is a greater obstacle because you keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and God can call you to more and to more and to more. Oh yeah, there's a passage of scripture I want to read to you. It's in 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When I started writing The Last Arrow, I didn't know that I would be diving into a study of the life of Elisha. But before I knew it, his life had just pulled me in because I want a life like Elisha. I want to know the God that Elisha knew. And I want God to know me the way that God knew Elisha. It says, when the, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, that's how I want to go, in a whirlwind. Do you want to be buried or cremated? Whirlwind. <laughs> that's how I'm going. Remember that, Aaron? And Elisha. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. Stay here, Elijah. Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it is not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went to heaven and a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. 
And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. We all love the end of the story. It's epic. It will absolutely blow your mind that Elijah is taken out of this earth into eternity in a chariot of fire. That his last act was to transcend beyond this existence and go out in wind and fire. And then Elisha is left with Elijah's cloak, not knowing if he's received what he's asked for. He has the, the, the gumption, the, the incredible determination to go, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah's like, I can't give that to you. That's something only God can give to you. But it doesn't even deter Elisha. He just stepped right into it. He picks up his cloak. He hits the water. He says, where is the God of Elijah? And what he's saying is, God, are you going to be the same God to me that you were to him? Because I followed him to follow you. And now that he's gone, all I got is you. See, I think a lot of us live our lives on a borrowed faith. And there must come a time where we stop getting carried by other people's faith. And we have our own faith. There has to come a time where we don't simply believe because someone else believes or someone else taught you to believe or someone else convinced you to believe. There has to come a time where you just know who God is because he is your God. And we all want to get to that place, but we don't want to travel that journey. See, I, I, I think this story has nuance and it's really significant. Significant to us. Because they began their journey together at Gilgal, and, and then Elijah goes to Bethel, and then Elijah goes to Jericho, and then Elijah goes to the Jordan, and each time along the way, they stop at the town, and there are a company of the prophets, and they know what God is doing. They each time go to Elisha and said, do you know that the Lord is taking your master today? Because I know. You know what they're actually saying to him? Do you know this is the end of the road for you? See, because Elisha's life was only validated by Elijah's life. And in many ways, what they're saying to Elisha is all of your investment is coming to an end today. So why don't you cut bait? And Elijah was giving him that opportunity when he... When he was at Gilgal and then at Bethel and at Jericho, he says to him, look, why don't you stay here? And you can listen to the story and there's a recurring theme here over and over again. Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. And Elisha says, I will not. And then it says, and so they went. See, I, I've wondered in my life how many times God has invited me to stay where I am if I'm not ready to take on more than I have. See, I wonder how many times God is looking for those people who actually, when they're invited to say, say, I will not stay. And he, he wasn't staying in corruption. It wasn't as if he was choosing a destructive life. 
In each place, there was a company of the prophets, and they knew exactly what God was doing. They just chose to not go further on the journey. See, I'm convinced that there are men and women that God is pulling out throughout human history because they just refuse to stay behind. Because when everyone else said, you know, you've done enough. You're, you're intense enough. You're committed enough. You've sacrificed enough. You've risked enough. You've believed enough. It's easy enough to say, you know, I, I've done everything that everyone else has done. Do we really want the standard of mediocrity to be the standard of our faith? When you stay where you are, you stay who you are. And keep, we keep wanting to become someone else, but we refuse to allow God to take us somewhere else. And we need to realize that the journey is not about the miles, it's about the moments. Where God invites us into a moment and we choose whether we step in or not. So, they, so my assistant told me, you can get to Rio de Janeiro, but we can't get you out. And I said, okay, it's all right. That's next week's problem. Let's just get me there. Then she told me, well, we can't find a hotel. Every hotel in the city is booked. I said, that's okay. I know how to sleep on floors. And, and then she said, well, we can't get you a visa. They said, it's going to take months to get a visa. I said, okay, we need to find a way around this. So we emailed someone, and I said, I need to get a visa. And it says it takes months. And so this person contacted someone in Germany, and someone in Germany worked for FIFA. And someone from FIFA who has never met me, doesn't know me, doesn't care about me, doesn't even remember my name, they hired me for a day to be a part of the marketing department for the World Cup. <laughs> So I went to the Brazilian embassy and I said, you know, I, I, I'm a part of uh, FIFA. <laughs> I need to get to the finals of the World Cup. I need you to facilitate my visa in 24 hours. And they said, well, do you have your documents? I had my letter there from the Department of Marketing. And, <laughs> and I believe that was a Thursday and my flight was on Friday. And she said, all right, on the way to the airport on Friday, stop by here, we'll give you your visa. So I go by the Brazilian embassy, I get my visa to go to the Rio de Janeiro, I have my one-way ticket to the city, I have no place to stay, and I thought, you know, this is a great story. So I'm going to Instagram it, and I'm going to put it on the internet, going to Rio for the World Cup Finals, have no place to stay. <laughs> Before I got on the plane, I had to reply, we're in Rio, we met in LA, went to Mosaic, found faith there, are in the city, we'd love for you to stay with our family. Sure, I'll do that. And then they said, the one thing we'd love for you to do is our family doesn't know God, would you have breakfast with us and talk to them about Jesus? And I kept wondering if God was sending me to Rio de Janeiro for the World Cup or simply to have a conversation with them. And the World Cup was a value added to the whole experience. Then the guy I didn't know got a hotel room in the city and he texted me after I'd been in the other house for a day or two. He says, you know, you're gonna need to stay in the city for the finals because it's gonna be crazy. So I shifted rooms, I've got two beds so you could come and stay with me. So I went and stayed in the city. And when I got there, I, I had some of the best seats in the world. I was there for the finals when Germany destroyed Argentina. And uh, it was a tragic moment. Messi is probably my favorite player in the world and it was messy. It did not go well. <laughs> and I had so many people ask me, how do you get to do things like that? It's really simple. It starts at the invitation. And you say yes. 
and you stop asking yourself why you can't do it. And you start telling yourself why you can't. See, the difference between people who make a difference in the world, it's not their intelligence or their talent. It's not even their opportunity or environment. It's that they refuse to be left behind. They just step into the moments and they just crash through every opportunity and they just believe that there is a future waiting for them on the other side of their fears. That was Pastor Erwin McManus, and you can find that entire talk on YouTube if you search under Live the Life God Created for You, sermon by Pastor Erwin McManus. You can also find out more information at his website, erwinmcmanus.com. I hope that you have an amazing day today and that you choose to live your 320 life more than you can imagine. God bless you.